0: You're listening to Talk Daredevil, a podcast about all things daredevil in the greater Marvel universe, brought to you by the women behind Saved Daredevil.
1: Hello, everyone. Happy August, and welcome to the latest episode of the Talk Daredevil podcast. Today, we're going to be taking an in-depth look and reviewing the latest of the MCU Disney Plus shows, *Miss Marvel, which wrapped up at six episode first season only a few weeks ago. This will be a full spoiler discussion. So anyone that hasn't finished watching *Miss Marvel yet, you should stop right here and finish the season first because we will be discussing all the spoilers here, but also because you should go and watch it right now. We're just going to go ahead and spoil that part. That the team that is here today loves the show. I am Rhiannon. I'm Aisha. They'll be here. And we are here to share our thoughts on Miss Marvel. So, starting off, just everybody really quickly, your overall impression of Miss Marvel.
0: Oh my God. Can I just say 10 out of 10? Because I am, I was super hyped for this show and it didn't disappoint. I Overall, I am very happy with the way. They, you know, revealed everything, the way they managed everything, how all the characterizations were done. I just love it. What about you, Shelby?
2: Same. It is my favorite Marvel Studios television show by far. I loved it. Shelby, I think you gave the
1: best overall impression of, like, this is the first one that felt like a good TV show.
2: Yes. Didn't they manage, like, the time, everything? Like, when they ended the episode, it just felt like TV
0: shockingly even though it's only six episodes the pacing was still way better than any of the previous marvel shows
2: yeah i didn't never i never watched an episode and thought any of the time was wasted i loved every second i think i cried at some point in every episode
1: so we'll get back to all of shelby's feelings this is a
2: show that
1: is clearly for a new audience Yet I don't know that all of us are that audience.
0: From the moment it was announced and all the rumors started coming in, people were talking about the fact that it's for yeah, you know, it's targeted towards a younger audience. At least on the surface, that's what it looks like. And a lot of the comments that I've read on social media have also talked about, oh, this is the first show. This is probably not meant for me. Maybe I'm not gonna watch it because it's about a teenager and all those things. Or an audience from a different ethnicity and stuff like that. So we've read and heard a lot of comments. It's a new kind of show for a new audience, but at the same time, Spider-Man is also about a teenager, Mm -hmm. you know, a coming of fate story. So nobody ever says that about Spider-Man. Why miss Marvel? So I personally feel that yes, it is kind of targeted towards a younger audience, but I'm not a teenager, a woman in my forties. And I, totally relate to Miss Marvel. I mean, there may be other reasons for that because, you know, the, to the listeners who do not know, I am a Pakistani and a Muslim female. So uh, I'm definitely one of the target audiences for Miss Marvel because this is the first South Asian Muslim brown female superhero that we have on television. So in that sense, it is definitely targeted towards me, but uh, even you guys,
1: Yeah, I'm a 40-something, very white woman that has never had any exposure to Muslim culture to any respect. And I could relate to so much in this show. Like, there was so much about just being a young, awkward woman that I found so relatable in this.
2: Yeah, if anybody didn't watch it for those reasons, they just missed out. And luckily, there's, I mean, it's not like it's gone forever. They can always go back and watch it. Correct your mistake. Because they did such a good job of making you feel all those feelings again. Like you could go back and you, I, I was like her, the, you know, fangirl, her family, friends. That's, that. it was just had so much heart.
0: Yeah, those those are the things anyone can relate to. Like all of us, we are all nerds, right? We all uh, are comic book reading, whatever, TV show watching nerds who have grown up with those same feelings. And aside from the fact that she's Pakistani and from Karachi, even if she was not that, I mean, I'm not someone who grew up in North America. right? I grew up in a different part of the world. But even growing up, I was still a nerd. So I could relate to that part. And watching any superhero TV or movie, you don't necessarily have to, you know, relate to all those things. Like I'm not a white blind lawyer from New York, but I relate to Daredevil so much. And I relate to his struggles and the adversities that he went through life. And the same thing can be applied to any superhero that we are big fans of. Like, uh, you and I are not uh, a billionaire Iron Man-type figure, but Iron Man, he still is one of the most popular uh, Marvel heroes. So you don't have to share the same life as a superhero to be able to relate to them. You know, there could be aspects in everyone's lives. That's why Spider-Man is so popular. And that's why Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, is a very intriguing character.
1: Yeah. I mean that is sort of the same story of Spider-Man where he was a nerdy teen that got superpowers and she was a nerdy teen that got superpowers and in any good story you don't need to be that character to enjoy it you it needs to be a good story to enjoy it and they did a good job here
2: yeah that's i think that's that's a you know uh, the sign of quality like writers is being able to share and connect with the audience, that human side, like uh, A is talking about, like just finding that part within you that you can relate to. So Shelby, have you read the comics? No, I had not read any. I think, you know, maybe just when she showed up in, in Inhumans comic.
1: Yeah. And that's where, yeah, like you and I have read the Inhumans comics, but obviously Aisha, you've read the original run. Yes. Uh, But not all of it. The
0: first run, uh, and that was also something I shared. Like, our our dear friend, Van, she was the one. She was the comic nerd, right, in our crew. Uh, She introduced me to all Daredevil, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, and also to uh, Miss Marvel Comics. So, because um, she was like, always said, hey, I want to know what you think of this. This is your kind of hero. This is a Pakistani girl from Karachi. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then, of course, Three years ago, I finally read. When the show was announced, that's that. That's when the excitement began, and I wanted to know who uh, Miss Marvel was. And I absolutely loved her in the comics. I'm like, there have been there were several instances when I was literally in tears while reading the comics, happy tears, like because I related to so much of her family life. Like I just love the fact that her family was from Karachi. I'm like, hey, I'm from Karachi. Her dad in the in the comics liked drinking his tea with uh, evaporated milk, and that's how I like I like <laughs> drinking my milk, my tea. I'm like, oh my god, this is my my life. And so, to tell you the truth, I was shocked, happily shocked, when in the comics Karachi is only mentioned in the run that I re- um, read, but the fact that they explored so much of karachi in the show I was just happy beyond anything I could have ever thought of because I'm from
1: karachi and that's my city why don't you talk about it for a second
2: i want to listen i could listen to you talk about it all day so
1: yeah i mean because that was a big part i feel like that was where online i saw the most criticism of it i think that part was important
2: most of the criticism that i've
0: seen Uh, online has been, oh, they probably shouldn't have gone to Karachi. They should have stayed in uh, Jersey City. And I can sort of understand where they're coming from. But to me, episode four and five were the best of the series because just for the fact that they went back to Karachi, even though it was fake Karachi, I know that they didn't actually go and film in Karachi. They filmed in um, Bangkok. Uh, But uh, uh, Sharmine Obed Chinoy, who is... Who directed episode four and five? She is a very renowned Pakistani director. She's, you know, she's an Oscar winner. She's directed so many uh, documentaries. Basically, she does uh, documentary direction. But this was the first time she did a TV drama, and uh, she's from Karachi, so she knows the city like anything. And she dressed up those trees like those car chase scenes that they filmed. It absolutely looked like southern Karachi. Like that that's an area. It's an old, old Karachi, old town Karachi. And I could totally, you know, believe it. Because they I think they did a really good job. And this is coming from someone who grew up in Karachi. So I I was very satisfied with the way they did it. And also when they like first landed in Karachi and the show, the Karachi Airport and all the people dancing and the, you know, beating the drums and all the that is the atmosphere. That happens in Karachi. That is pure Karachi. And uh, then they, you know, drove down the street and they showed all the landmarks, Tintal Bar and so many places. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is it. I, haven't, you know, I left Karachi 12 years ago and I haven't been back. So mm. that really brought
1: me back to my home city. I was very happy. That's awesome. And like for me, like having never been to that part of the world in my life, I felt exposed to something that I had never had any exposure to which I totally understand that is not what some people come to Marvel TV for or Marvel Studios products for but I did feel that this was an origin story and that they weren't presenting us a Peter Parker they weren't presenting us a type of character that we were, that we've seen a million times before at this point they were presenting us with a very underrepresented type of person in this type of, pro- or in American television or Western television. Yeah. And through that, I was getting exposed to this amazing culture in this part of the world, in this area. I mean, and they did the same thing with Egypt in Moon Knight. I mean, I've heard people that have been to Cairo talking about it and Moon Knight, you know, in the same way that they did an amazing job of recreating it, some of the parts of that. But I really enjoyed, I feel like that was necessary for us to get to know Kamala. Mm -hmm. I
2: agree. I feel like to
1: get to know her, we had to get to know Karachi. We had to see this history of her family, learning about the partition, all of that. Yes, it was more backstory and all of that than you might get, you know, because you might be able to just do, you know, even if this was like a Jewish New Yorker you could make an offhand comment about grandpa was, you know, in a concentration camp in World War II and everybody in the world would be like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, but I feel like in this show, there was something very traumatic, a generational trauma that they couldn't offhandedly mention like that because most of their audience didn't know about it. So I feel like in order to give us the true origin of this character, they had to do that part of the story.
0: It was, like, it was very educational, you know, to the general audience. It was like a history lesson to people who had never been exposed to that part of history. Yeah. And even to me, as a Pakistani, like, I know about partition. My family immigrated from India uh, at partition. My dad right around partition and my mom's family about eight or ten years after uh, to Karachi. But, like, they never actually talked to us about it that much. I mean, I've heard of other family members going through hot times while trying to come to Pakistan. But my immediate family, my mom and dad, they never really talked that much to me about it. Of course, I knew about it. But to see it on screen, you know, in episode four when Kamala goes back in time and they show us that, you know, that amazing shot of all the trains and the people and the clamor and all that like I just I again I was very emotional when I saw that and I didn't realize it was going to hit me that hard and it just did and like I had goosebumps when that music just you know swelled oh my god that this is amazing and I can't believe Marvel Studios is the one who's doing this I was
2: shocked yeah, it did, it did not feel like two wasted episodes to me or two episodes that drug the show down. I can't believe we got this. They did this in six episodes. Like, I can't even, because I've been a big criticizer of how they've managed some of the time. And it, it would have been real easy to just halfway do this. And
0: they went all in. Do I love these episode four and five? On episode five? I did feel it was too short. That was, That's my only criticism. That was 35 minutes, like in a, in a season of six episodes, Marvel Studios has no right to have a 35 minutes episode. They should have at least like 45, 50 minutes. So I think that was my only criticism on, on one episode, even though I loved both episodes, the story they told. I wish it had been a little longer because I thought, You know, a lot of episode four, no, episode five was spent giving us a story of her great grandparents, Aisha and Hassan, and oh, and my namesake. So, yes, (laughs) I was very excited when I saw those screenshots that she, her grandma had the same name as me. And one, like those two actors were also amazing. I thought Mavish Hayat was beautiful and uh, Fawad Fawad is a very famous Pakistani actor. Both of them are very famous Pakistani actors. And um, Fawad, I already knew because I watched many of his TV dramas. But Mavish was new to me. I've been out of Pakistan for over a decade now. So I'm not familiar with all the new actors.
1: But um, I think she was gorgeous. So going back to the comics a little bit, were the djinn in the comics that you read, were the djinns in the comics at all? Was that a comic concept or was that... Is that a Pakistani concept? Is that it is a very Pakistani. And I can talk if you want me to talk. I can I can give you a little education on it. But let's talk about the
0: comics first. There was a lot of criticism even before the show came out that oh they're changing her power right because in in, in the comics she is uh, an inhuman and she has stretchy powers like um, in beginning right in, yeah in beginning is a big concept and I love that in the comics one of the only things. I was very passionate about from the comics was um, the fact that I wanted her to say the words "embiggen" on the show. I wasn't very concerned about how the changes will come about, whether they're stretchy or a crystal construct, the way they did it in the comic in the in the show. But what I wanted to see was that I wanted her to say the words "embiggen" and. When in episode three, after the, the, the wedding episode, after that, she has that fight, and you do see her hands imbegin, like they showed it to us visually, but she doesn't, doesn't say the words. But they did it in the final episode when she had been attacked by the Department of Damage Control, and she says embiggen then she truly ambiguous. That just made me so happy. I just wanted to add that. That is such an iconic Miss Marvel thing in the comics. But to me personally, her being the first Pakistani Muslim superhero, the, the power was not the most important thing to me. To me, her being written well as a Pakistani and a Muslim American was more important. So So I was not as concerned about the power change, but the rumors about um, the jinn and the clandestine thing also came out about you know six eight months before the show premiered, and that was something I was concerned about because let me tell you a little bit about the jinn concept in Islamic mythology. In in uh, Western stories, jinn is like what well, the genie from the mm-hmm. bottle who comes out and grants you wishes. In Islamic mythology, jinn is an actual, real concept. It's not a fake story. See, so in in, in our in our mythology, uh, jinn basically is a, a, another type of species, and um, the devil is the devil. The Western concept of devil, the Satan, we have similar concept in Islamic mythology, and that figure, that is actually a jinn. That's not how in, uh, in biblical mythology, maybe uh, Satan is a fallen angel, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not in Islamic mythology. He's not an angel. He is a jinn. Jinn is a separate species. Um, jinn and the angels were the first creatures created. And then God made Adam, and he said, you are under him you are subjugated you are you are supposed to prostrate to adam because he's superior because he's human and satan whose original name was iblis he said no way i am superior i'm made of fire and he's made of clay so that's why he was kicked out of heaven and then he said you know what i'm going to turn all of these humans against you and he, and god said sure i'll give you till the end of the world like till judgment day you have time you can turn those who follow me will follow me, will be good, and those who follow you will be evil. So that's the concept of good and evil in our mythology. And uh, that's why the figure of Satan is, um, you know, in, in Islamic religious context, he's the evil. And anyone who follows him becomes evil. And then those who are good, who are good. So Even in the Quran, there is a whole chapter called the chapter of the jinn. So jinn are very much a species, another species who have free will. They can be good or bad, just like humans. And growing up in Pakistani culture, you don't hear ghost stories. You hear jinn stories. Like if there's a house that is haunted, there's a jinn there. Mm. You want, yeah, So the concept of ghosts comes from Western media. For so for us, anything that is um, unexplainable or weird, or something wrong in the house, there's some something going on. Oh, it's a jinn, and if it's a bad jinn, he's gonna cause trouble. If it's a good jinn, he'll he won't he won't bother you because there are good and bad jins. When we heard that they're gonna involve the jinn, in and make her a jinn, I was quite troubled at first. Because I didn't want her, the first Muslim character to be a jinn, right? Yeah, that's kind of a buzzkill. Like I don't want her to be evil. <laughs> but at the same time, then I I thought about it later, and I was talking to I remember talking to Van about it as well, and like you know what? In the comics too, she's not fully human. She's an inhuman. So maybe if she is a jinn, maybe it's okay. But I'm very happy that in episode four when we meet the Red Daggers and Walid, you know, he's the one who says, um, even if a Thor had landed in the Himalayas, he would have been called Jinn. So, I, and then also the writers and directors in their interviews are read, they said that the Jinn that they're talking about in the story is not the same Jinn from the Islamic text. It's Jinn meaning anything unexplainable. Mm. Anything, anything supernatural would the Pakistani and the Muslims in that era, part of the world, they'll call it a gen. You know, it, it could be any other species. It could be any other power. But because that's just the generic name we have for anything which is weird and supernatural. Okay. Okay. So I give you a lot of history. on Islamic. Oh, was
2: Islamic? Islamic? <laughs> <laughs> it? Islamic? I don't know if everyone wanted to hear about all that, but. Like you said, all I knew were genies give you three wishes, and then I watched Supernatural, and I get this whole other story about Jin, and they can be, like you said, very mischievous, bad, devilish. And like
0: Supernatural did a lot of things with the angels too, right? Because right. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I like to think of Supernatural is a different, different um, stream. I don't mythology because I, if I try to mix it with my Islamic mythology, it's going to drive
2: me nuts. Oh, yeah, that makes sense that that she, you know, anything different. I get that. I like that. Yeah, just anything unexplainable.
1: I, d- I didn't know the whole background of what Jen was, but as soon as they said the word, I was sitting there and I was like, isn't that derogatory? Like yeah, yeah. you know, I do sort of have like a little filter in my head of like words that are considered derogatory that I yeah, you know, and I was like, Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what that is, but I feel like it's bad.
0: And and a lot of the criticism that I've heard from the, the Muslims on social media has been about this too. And like why are you why would you do that? Why would you inflate? and why would you bring this word into this? Because a lot of people think that jinns are only bad, but I know that according to the Quran, that's not the truth. But you don't want to mix these things either. And also, like, speaking of um, Muslim view, there are like 1.9 billion Muslims in the world, so not everyone is going to, you know, agree with everything. Like, Miss Marvel is just one character, one person from one background, right? So she does not represent all the Muslims in the world. So it's, um, I, I've, I've heard complaints as well from some people. Uh, among the Muslims and uh but mostly I've uh, only seen positive conversations.
1: And and I guess like the other biggest change from the comics is she was inhuman. I mean, the biggest number one thing mm. is in the comics. She was inhuman. Right. And this, she would be
2: a mutant. She
1: has a mutation and this or this paranormal aspect to it. You know, they don't really fully get into defining what she is. I know so many people are upset about this, and I made a friend of mine explain why he was upset about it. But does it matter?
0: To the people who are upset, I won't say that it doesn't matter because their feelings and their views do count. I, I understand that. I was just like the way the, the show explained it. For example, the, the bangle a, on a blue severed hand that they found at the floor of that temple. In 1942, India, and then on that same floor, we saw the symbols of the ten rings. Like there, and then the blue arm could be a Cree arm. And then in the comics, mm-hmm. don't the Cree have some connection with the Inhumans? Mm. Like, oh yeah, yes. Yeah, so they, it could be anything. I know that a lot of the fans were still hoping till the last episode that they would reveal some Inhuman connection. But the fact that they left these Easter eggs throughout, you know, does means that they're not discounting. We can't be sure of how they're going to play it out in the morals or in the future. Yeah. Because they gave us a hint of some X-Men connection, because they even played the X-Men theme when they talked about the mutation, when Bruno talks about it. But at the same time, where why was that Bangle on a blue? That could have been Cree And why, what's the connection with the Ten Rings? Because um, didn't Captain Marvel say something at the end of uh, Shang-Chi? She said something about the Ten Rings um, giving out some kind of a signal. Oh, yeah, yeah, that they had a signal. Right. Yes. And that could be connected to the post-credit scene of Episode 6 of Miss Marvel, where Kamala disappears and, you know, switches places with Ms. Captain Marvel. So, because yeah. her bangles did activate. So, I think those, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone has guessed it, but those bangles have a connection with the Ten
1: Rings, perhaps. And uh, we'll, we'll find out next year.
2: Shelby, do you have strong feelings if she's in Human or Mutant? Look, my sister, like she's never read any humans. She's a she's a mutant all the way. So I'm excited for mutant to be like mentioned in X Men because we've been waiting for forever for the reintroduction of X Men. Um, and I'm kind of with A that I just think right now it could still go either way. Like he just chose that word. You have a mutation. I still think she could be an inhuman.
1: I mean, for those that don't know, like the Inhumans go through like a terogenesis. Yeah, like where they where they touch the Terrigen crystals.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to like just give the MCU their leeway to mess with anything they want to mess with, and we somehow get both. We get X Men and Inhumans. You know, of course, I, I I want her to be an Inhuman, but it did it didn't like affect me like either way. I didn't like. Oh, that sucks. I still loved it. I was still just excited. I'm like, oh,
1: she's a mutant. I want I want her to be Inhuman so that we can meet Lockjaw. Well, I mean, she could be a mutant and meet Lockjaw. I mean, I think we would all love to see the Inhumans. Done well. The Inhuman royal family portrayed Mm -hmm. well in the MCU. You guys have watched the show, right? I never
0: watched that show.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, yes, Shelby and I have watched the show. I I saw it in IMAX when the first two episodes came out in IMAX.
0: So so one of the things I read recently was that... um, the writers for Miss Marvel, G. Willow Wilson and Sana Amana, who wrote the comics, they, they actually originally wanted her to be a mutant.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because this was in the time period that Marvel just was doing nothing with the mutant properties. And
0: they were forced. They said, you can't do it, so you have to make her an inhuman. So that was their second choice. So their first choice always was to have her as a mutant. They were thrilled that they got the chance to... Play that part out on the show, but I haven't. I mean, the only Inhumans I've read are in the Marvel comics. I don't know much more about them, so I'm not as emotionally invested in that. But it would be cool to see, however, they explore it. I personally think it would be better, whatever they do, whether it's Inhumans or X Men. It would be better than the (laughs) clandestine storyline. The show was great, but the the villains were not.
1: Yeah, it was sort of a loose plot. I mean, like, she basically needed some sort of villain, except for the fact that it gave us her friend that she fought for in the last episode, like Kamran. I don't know, I really liked that he didn't end up being a bad guy. Like, his family may have been bad or may have had, you know, intentions that went against Kamala. And yeah. Y- you know, like, there, there, were, there were complexities to the villain arc. I don't even know if it was a bad
2: villain arc there. It just, I, just like, it just didn't matter. Yeah, it just didn't yeah. matter to me.
1: Yeah, and it was such a good hero arc that, like, she needed a much stronger villain to be equal, I guess. I mean, I don't know.
0: Right. And in the end, like, she was fighting both against him and also against
1: DoD. Yeah, the man. Yeah. The damage control.
2: Damage control. Yeah. Just the public, too. You know, public opinion. So,
1: I mean, on that, while we're talking about the villains, Shelby, I know you touched on this a little bit earlier on the pacing. Did they mm-hmm. finally nail the
2: pacing? This is the, yeah, I think so. This is the best one yet. It feeling like a TV show to me. This is the first one that felt like TV. They knew where to end every episode. I didn't feel like there were any wasted episodes. And I didn't feel like really at the end, like, well, they should have done this or they could have done more. I was satisfied. And the direction and production value? I
0: I've, I've wanted to know a bit more about the Red Daggers. And the writers have also touched upon this, that they just didn't have enough time. So that's my, another, like, you know, the thing that Marvel Studios has been doing with just six episodes. I, it's not enough, often, to explore all the plot lines and characterizations. Despite all the shortcomings, Ms. Marvel did a pretty good job.
2: They're getting there, you know? Yes. So,
0: no. I mean, it... My question is, were the directors used on this show more of TV? They had more TV experience, perhaps? I'm not, I don't know. Maybe not. But maybe it was just the writing that was better than perhaps other shows. But to me, it felt more complete. And even though there are a few things they could have improved, like the, you know, the Red Dagger storyline and maybe the Villains
1: could have been more fleshed out. I feel like behind the scenes, they used a lot of Muslim... I mean, wasn't it mostly Muslim?
0: Yeah, writers and directors, a lot of them were Muslim, South Asian, Pakistani even. Or like British Pakistani, you know, from from that background. And like the first episode and last episode was uh, directed by... Adil and uh, Bilal and Adil, right? The two directors who are, they're Moroccan, I believe, and uh, Arab Moroccan.
1: You could feel like everybody involved in this project knew, even if they didn't know Ms. Marvel coming into it, they knew how important it was to get this right. The
0: cultural aspect of it was, Mm -hmm. uh, felt very genuine. And like, I mean, uh, this is just a little thing. Uh, I noticed this in Moon Knight as well with the music that they they used. Egyptian artists. And I, even though I don't speak Arabic, but I, my mind was blown when I was trying to follow those artists and find out where some of those uh, end credit songs came from. That was such a great job they did. They did it in Moon Knight, and they did it again in Miss Marvel. So many of the songs and music they used came from South Asia. A lot of it came from Pakistan. Coke Studio, Pakistan, is a very popular show, which has been going around for like 13, 14 years now. It's one of the most popular uh, music shows in South Asia. And uh, a lot of the artists they used, you know, even they were new to me at points. And I was, I'm, I'm just so happy with the music aspect. I don't know. I, I, you guys have seen this. I've been throwing links at you guys to go watch YouTube videos of all these songs.
2: I'm like... I just go nuts. I love every it. I love it because I also love too that her mom was a Bon Jovi fan girl because oh of, you God, know, the yes. New Jersey kid. And, all that. and they, then they have this little scene where they're what, what this fat scene to like living on a. Yeah, and then on like the the band that played at her brother's wedding was called
0: Brown Jovi. I'm like, I love that. That was, that was great. hilarious. <laughs> and can we can we talk about the wedding episode? What did you guys think of? The dancing and the songs. Like, have you, had, have you seen anything like that before?
2: No. I feel
1: no. like I've seen something like it, but I don't know where from. I, and it might even just be, like, little viral TikToks from or, or stuff like that.
0: Uh, that is purely like a Pakistani wedding. Even in families where the dancing would not happen, the songs still do happen. Like, we have, like, oh song, song ceremonies in every Pakistani wedding. And especially um, Pakistanis who've immigrated to like UK or North America, and they live there, and they're the Pakistani diaspora. When they have weddings, yes, it is absolutely like that. Like the sisters and the brothers and everyone, and the mom and dad, they will come together, and they'll have those you know choreographed songs set to Bollywood music, and that is. That brought me back too. Like that is so much fun, and um, I really enjoyed that. And I feel like a lot of uh, Western audiences also found that very intriguing, and they enjoyed it as well.
2: Yeah, I want to go. I want to go to a wedding like that. I want to go to a wedding like that. Oh, like, <laughs> uh, and I can
0: tell you, like, go to if you have a Punjabi friend. I mean, these people are not Punjabi; they're from Karachi, so they're mm-hmm. it's a different ethnicity. I'm from Karachi, but go to. We have a Punjab in Pakistan and we have a Punjab in India as well. It was one province which was split. So, Punjabi weddings are oh, so much fun. Like, even in, I have attended Punjabi weddings in Pakistan and in England, and they are the most fun people to be around, I can tell you.
1: I'll just go be mad at my Pakistani friend that, like, got married at Justice of the Peace during COVID and didn't hold the whole wedding. So
0: They have to do some ceremony. They have to have a party at some point. when. I I was
1: not invited, evidently. (laughs) So whatever they did, I was not invited. Oh, no. So what I was going to say is, like, but even though I haven't been to a Pakistani wedding and I didn't know, like, the specific relevance of all of those scenes, what I could tell was that it was tradition-rich and fun. Yeah, you know, like it, it you know, it, that's where I'm saying, like the universally relatable aspects of it. I'll even take that as being more fun than like your cousin getting drunk at the bar and mm. causing trouble. You know, like it was genuinely fun and not like, oh my gosh, there's going to be a fight by morning. Fun. Well, there was a fight, but that wasn't. That does seem to be part of the tradition. <laughs>
0: And I loved in what I love in that that Amir is getting married to his fiancee, who is a black Muslim American. Mm-hmm. And her parents obviously are not Muslims. Like, you know, you they were, they're just black Americans. And they even, they are part of that celebration. And they join in the dancing and the fun. And I just loved the inclusiveness of all of it. And this is something I've noticed in comments. It's not just the Pakistanis and the South Asians who are getting representation. It's the, um, you know, uh, Mexicans. It's the, uh, you know, Hispanics. It's every brown person or every Southeast Asian who's never gotten representation before as a superhero is feeling represented now. Like the other day I was watching TikTok and there's this uh, Indian stick follower, like content creator that I follow, and he is such a huge fan of Ms. Marvel And he's always making videos about Auntie Muniba and how cool she is. Like, I just love that, that it's not just the Pakistani and the Muslims. It's every brown person got representation, and they felt like maybe now our turn will also come.
2: So powerful.
1: And I think everybody can relate to the term "illuminati."
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) My So my my white sister-in-law in America she said, because my, my brother's married to an American, she said, you know what, I go to the mosque and that's exactly the groups I come across there. Like, that's exactly because, you know, um, my brother's lived in the U.S. for 30 years now and he's fully Americanized and she feels like Aisha, he does not tell me anything. Like, this is why, like, they, were, they watched this show as a family and after every episode, we'd have a phone call. A conference and we would Ooh. so that we could discuss because she says, you know, your brother doesn't tell me anything. You have to tell me about all this stuff. That's fine. I want to talk to you. So I just enjoyed that so much.
1: I love it. I love it. You too. Me too. So they just had the right people behind the show. And they appear to be Marvel Studios appears. This appears to be a very concerted effort. To make sure they have the right people behind the show that can make sure the representation is good, so Echo has deaf representation in the writer's room. Daredevil. Shelby, do you have feelings on how this converts to Daredevil? I know
2: you do. I'm just hopeful, right? we We have to be like
1: helpful, hopeful that that they'll have some blind representation.
2: Yeah, I mean all kinds of representation. I don't think you have to have just blind rep- representation. You know, on Daredevil it could be on any show. I want it across the board, but you know this is a small step. So definitely on Daredevil, but I want it for the future on all the shows. I want all kinds. I want different points of view on all the shows.
1: Yeah, I mean because there's no reason that even though we haven't had a show about a Pakistani superhero, that we couldn't have had some of these Pakistani moments in other shows. And, and I think this is like, I heard this a lot from the LGBTQIA community is that they didn't necessarily want all of their shows to be about gay characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. They wanted pieces, you know, they, they yearned for the day that they were just throw away good moments, which I feel that we have a whole lot more of now of a character being gay, being a lesbian, having, you know, just like a non cis persona, and that's, I mean, you know, like more Pakistani representation in rooms would give us more, you know, just a fun wedding scene in the background or?
2: I mean, you know, we just need more across the board, more women, more diversity. How else are we going to get a different, you know, just a new form of storytelling, a new way of seeing things, a new world? Who knows what's out there? At some point
0: in time, we will come at a point when all this representation will be normal, right? But yeah normal that's so, what I was just so it doesn't feel maybe some people think that it is forced right now because it is it has to be forced right now because it's missing at this point uh, i as a star trek fan i come across this a lot because in the last 2 3 years star trek the new star trek shows have done a lot to represent uh lgbtq and you know characters introduce them like uh like bin- non-binary and all those characters and trans characters that have been introduced. So I love that. And people who hate this kind of stuff, they're saying, oh, you're forcing this down our throats. And I'm like, yeah, right now you it has to feel that way because it's missing so mm-hmm. blatantly. So you have to take it right now. You better take it right now because in 10 years from now, it will be normal. Hopefully come to that point. So, okay, if it feels forced, it's okay. It needs to be forced in order to be accepted.
2: I want it to get to a point where I don't cry maybe every time I see a, the you know a female superhero. Yeah, being born on screen where I, I just don't because it still just means so much to me. We don't didn't see that growing up. Yeah, I mean it shouldn't feel
1: so rare. Even just I mean, like in this show, one of the things I loved was the three generations of women that. Oh. Yes, that, yes, 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 That yes. loved yeah. each other. Like, they had conflicts, but they loved each
2: other. And it came out positive in the end. So you just gave me chills. That gave me chills talking about mother, the mother-daughter like, thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and kudos to Samina Ahmed, who played the grandma. She's a very renowned Pakistani actress. So I, I grew up watching her in dramas. So
1: it was so good to see her on this show. I mean I know people that like after watching the first episode was like, I am her mother. I am Yamola's <laughs> yes. mother. Like, like, of course you're not gonna let your child go do all that stuff. And you know, and, <laughs> yes. and it, I, hey, there was so much to relate to in that relationship. It was mm-hmm. so beautiful.
0: Yes, and like there were some people who were saying, Oh, she's too straight. I'm like, no, she's not too straight, she's just protective. She's No. And and and, and then by episode two of you knew that, like, she was not that strict she was just protective of her only daughter
2: and it i can relate to favorite, that my favorite part <laughs> my favorite part of the show is, yeah. that's my favorite part and that's, yeah. that's yeah.
0: and that's not even a south asian muslim thing it's just a teenager thing
1: yeah, yeah and i mean i think it's just a woman thing i mean that's what i'm saying like when we talk about all this representation like yes let's get all the diversity and everything but we barely even have seen as women that type of relationship still just like rare and awesome when we see it. Right. So there was so much in this for everybody.
2: I have a
0: few questions for you guys. Okay. Um, what did you think of Kamala Bruno and Kamala Kamran thing? Did, what did you think of the possible romance? Because there are people who are like, oh, you know, she, she should have been with Bruno and she should have been with Kamran. What did you guys think of that aspect? And then I'll give you my opinion.
2: I just think it was there for typical teenage drama. Like
1: I, Honestly, when they introduced the love triangle, I was like, oh, crap. We're going to get – well, I mean, because I very much in the early episodes had the this isn't for me. I am right. way too old to be watching this show. I am not the target audience. Right. Oh, and now they're giving me a love triangle. I really could not care. Yeah. Like, let's let's make this not about, you know, okay, we have a girl on TV, now she has to pick between which boy, like, but they backed off from it.
0: Yeah, so that's what I, I'm, I'm very happy that they did, because in the yeah. comics too, Bruno um, has a crush on her, and her brother is the one who says, oh no, this, you, she thinks of you as a friend, so don't, don't. And then also, Cameron also exists in the comics, and she has a crush on Cameron, and that doesn't go anywhere because he turns out to be, you know, complicated. Like they're evil, not evil, but he's like kind of a villain, but maybe not. That That is true in the comics too. So if me personally, I was just glad that I didn't necessarily want the first teenager Muslim brown girl to be stuck in a love triangle. I, that was not the story for me. The story for me was her exploration of her identity her background her relationship with the family not necessarily a romance for the boys so i'm glad that they did not push on that
2: yeah and she she, let's be for real she doesn't love anybody as much as she loves captain marvel the boys don't even compete like they don't even stand a chance she loves carol more than anybody
1: yeah and i think of like all the guys that she was with i want her with red dagger guy yeah
2: Oh, isn't he he's he well oh, he's such a little superstar. I love him. I
1: love him.
0: I haven't read those comics, but I believe in the comics do they do get together. If there has to be a ship, that would be the ship.
1: Yeah, if there has to be a ship. Um my friends asked me, you know, like, oh well like now where's the now there's a female superhero, like what do we need to have now? And I was like, A woman star on television that doesn't always have to have a romantic relationship. Exactly. Like, and I feel like Captain Marvel did that, but I also feel like when they did the love triangle, that definitely turned me off for a little bit. And then they didn't go anywhere with it. So it was cool. So what's your next question?
0: Oh, um, the symbol on her, her dress. Like, wasn't her
1: costume awesome? Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Like. I mean, like in the comics, was that the reason for the symbol on her costume? No. I don't remember the symbol on the
0: from the comics, but I just love the fact that that light bolt, whatever that is, yeah. on her on her costume comes from the first letter of a name. In, yeah, the right. the, the calf of from Kamala. I just love that.
1: That is the type of stuff I expect to see. Yes, that is mm-hmm. the. I mean, that is what I want. I mean, we only have six episodes. You can throw in a throwaway piece of jewelry in episode one and make it the hero's symbol in episode six, that is not too much to ask for. That is a connection.
0: And I love the fact that her mom gave her the costume and her dad gave her the name. Like when he told her that Kamal, you know, in Urdu, Kamal means Marvel. And that's what her name meant. Oh,
2: I'm going to cry again. And then she's sitting on the light post. Oh my God. So like
0: that iconic. You know, stopped from the comics. I just love it.
1: No, I I loved all of those connections. And that is what I have been expecting from Marvel.
2: This is also the first show that, even though it is connected to the larger MCU through Avengers Con and her being a fangirl of Carol Danvers, it didn't feel like, oh, to me. (laughs) Like that didn't even, almost didn't even matter. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But that's what, I mean, I think like during WandaVision, If we go back to WandaVision as the first episode of Marvel Studios television that we had in this run or ever, I guess, for WandaVision. They gave us like the rabbit and they gave us like all of these little symbols and everybody was expecting them to mean something. And it was (laughs) nine episodes of television. They could have nine episodes that were like maybe 20 minutes. Everything in there could have connected. Yeah. And then we're over here and we have six episodes of this perfect series where, yes, like all these little throwaway things. Yeah, everything matters. in here had meaning and purpose and use and and heart behind it. Like you yeah. admit,
0: yeah. And I gotta say, how amazing is Iman Vilani? She is just oh. like a, you know, we're so lucky to have her. Like she's this is a can you believe this is a first time filming
1: anything? No, I, I seriously. For our listeners, if anybody has her contact info, we would like for her to become an official member of the Save Daredevil team.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Please, um, Iman, if you're <laughs> listening to this or anyone's, please send her this link. Yeah. Um, and please contact us. We'd love to chat. I, I, think,
1: I think she would love us. I think we would love her. Yeah. It would be. She's a Daredevil uh,
0: fan, so he yeah. has to be aware of. some uh, Hopefully, she is aware. If not. We'll tell
2: her all about our campaign.
1: Iman, <laughs> if you're listening, contact at Safedaredevil.com.: That
2: would be so just fun. Saying. I just feel like we could find, find something to fangirl over. Like, it, it, just anything.
0: And, mm-hmm. and she is a bona fide MCU fangirl. Like, she is, yeah. she, she has a notebook where she keeps all, you know, all the details, and she takes notes. And in fact, she's even said that she's on Reddit under a fake burner account, and she does reply to but, I absolutely
1: love, love it. it. I, I love, love it. that spirit. And I feel, I mean, that, that's back to what I was talking about. Having people that are passionate about it shows in the final product. And Marvel Studios is so big right now that any actor is going to pretend to be passionate about it to get a role. But truly having that passion is going to give us a better product. And I mean, I believe that at this point, Kevin Feige is only interested in working with people that convince him they have true passion for it. But I think we feel that difference. And she was amazing.
0: Yeah, it, and it was, it was destined, right? She was 15 years old when she cosplayed as Miss Marvel on, on Halloween. And then a few years later, someone forwarded her a WhatsApp casting thing. Like, it, this came through. Like, she says, that, this is the most brown way she could have gotten that casting call. It came on a WhatsApp message. Her aunt Forwarded that to her and she didn't even believe it at first that it was true, but she still made a recording and sent and it turned out to be the real deal.
1: The Illuminati is coming back (laughs) again, coming through. She was amazing. I mean, but also, I mean, the rest of the cast, like you said, there were a lot of Pakistani superstars there that were... Amazing. I mean, I loved, like, I didn't know who they were, but I loved the Red Daggers. And you said the, the older Red Dagger was... He's an Indian
0: actor. He's a very famous Indian actor for Han Arthur. And then the, you know, the grand, great-grandparents, they were both played by Pakistani yeah. actors. And also, like, what is uh, the one who plays uh, Bruno? And also the actress for Nakia. She was also amazing. She's, um, I think she's Turkish Christian, the actress herself. But I think she did a great job talking. I love that moment in episode two, I believe, where she's talking about bring, taking on the hijab. Yes. I just loved it so much that she said she did it so to, you know, tell people off, actually to show it to them that she didn't care for their opinion. And now she just loves loves it because it makes her feel like herself. And that is so, that is so true because I know a lot of people who never used to wear the hijab back home and when they moved to US they started they adopted it there because it makes them feel more closer to themselves, to their culture.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. I have quite a few college friends who did
1: that. Wow. Yeah. That that's fascinating.
0: Related to what Nakia was saying in that, that she felt always felt like she was not enough Muslim or not enough she was too white for some people and too Ethnic for others. And that is that duality a lot of us struggle with. And it's not just confined to Muslims or Asians. Anyone of us.
1: Thank you for sharing. That's what like, I, I enjoyed about all of the show. Was like getting all of those, seeing all of that. Because I've obviously not had to go through anything like that. I mean, I'm sure I've gone through things like that.
0: But the thing is, how I related to it was that I'm, I'm from a very traditional Pakistani background. Growing up. But at the same time, I was very nerdy because my dad was the one who was into like science fiction and comic books. So he got us into those things. So in those ways, I, I couldn't relate to my peers because they were in, in school oh. growing up. I was the odd one out. I was the only Trekkie. And then growing up, I was the only glam metal hair band. So I was always the odd one out. And the good thing about growing up in the 80s and 90s was that that I did not have social media following me when I got home. Mm-hmm. So the bullying mm-hmm. ended when I left school and went home. And at home, I was among other nerds. So I didn't care what my um, friends or so-called friends in school said to me. If it even like they made, made fun of me in school, that's fine. Because at home, my parents, my dad, we were watching the same shows. We were all watching Star Trek and science fiction, reading all the books. So I got the exposure in that sense. But at the same time, they were extremely protective of me because I was the youngest and I was the girl. And uh, even when I started working and being financially independent, they were like, don't go out after eight o'clock. You're supposed to be home. Those kind of things that probably maybe girls growing up in the West do not have to contend with. I went through those, but I understood why they were being like that because. They were very protective, so in that sense, again, I related to Kamala. She grew up in the West, but she was still a very uh, under a very Pakistani, very traditional family. So that was an, another thing I could relate to with Kamala.
1: Circling back for one second, Aisha, I believe there was when we're talking about passionate folks behind the scenes. One of the players you were talking about offline had a special connection to the partition. That actually brought that into this series. Do you want to talk about that a second?
0: Sharmine uh, Obed, Obed Chinoy. So, so she is, um, like I said, she's a Pakistani, very well-known Pakistani director who has worked with archives from the perdition era. So she, that has been one of her pet projects over the last many years, like maybe last decade. She already had a collection of a lot of interviews photos from the partition era from both Pakistan and India. So she was able to use a lot of those images. So that's why they feel so real because she's actually used imagery from chill events in the past. Can I just add that when episode five started and they showed us the black and white real and the with the marvel studios title cards playing and that old old indian song like that's from 1949 i had heard those words i knew those that song but i hadn't heard it in many many years and that's from 1949 indian movie i believe when i heard that those lyrics playing i'm like what the heck is going on like i can't believe this is marvel studios
1: was, was partition around 1949? It was 1947. 1947. 1947.
0: Okay. So, um, but that song is like, song is around that era. But uh, it was like, just, I just knew that that episode was going to be great when that song started playing. I'm like, okay, they are Because Marvel Studios was doing something they'd never done before. Yeah, they were, they were expanding their horizons too, experimenting these new things.
1: Which, it feels like they're doing a lot of that. They're doing a lot of experimenting in new directions. And sometimes it's working, sometimes it's not. And I think that's really awesome. Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. So, we know, I mean, obviously, we're going to see Kamala again and Captain Marvel, or the Marvels. I mean, hopefully, Captain Marvel was somewhere with oxygen when they swapped places. Yeah, I I hope (laughs) so, too. (laughs) What do you want to see for our beloved Kamala next?
0: I know that her family is going to be in the movie because I'm pretty sure I've heard read articles where it was mentioned that her dad, her mom and her brother definitely are part of that story. So I am looking forward to that because that was the best part
1: of
2: the series for me, the family connection. I'm, I'm looking forward to her and Carol's relationship.
1: Yes, I totally agree with you, Shelby. Like the fangirling of her, her in person with Captain Marvel and then going from fangirl to peer or colleague or, you know, fellow Avenger or.
2: Yeah, getting to see like, you know, you build up people in your head and, you know, maybe not be perfect and then maybe be some disappointment and then just working through all that.
1: Oh my gosh, her being disappointed by Carol would be so
2: sad. <laughs> Just a little bit, you know what I mean? You know, we build people up in our minds. Like, oh, they're like they're, they are They're make mistakes too. From what I remember from the comics, her
0: interactions with Carol were always like very cool and fun. So I hope, hopefully that continues
2: in the marvels. We've seen so little of Carol, really. Yeah, I'm interested to see how she is as a teacher.
1: I have a feeling she'll be a very reluctant mentor.
0: And I, I want to know the next, the first scene to open is how, because she is in Kamala's house and what's going to happen when she walks down those stairs? Her mom and dad are going to be there. So like, hello, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you guys? And like,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, like in my head, I'm like, well, Carol will probably just slip out the window, but I do want like the awkward her going downstairs and
0: dad is like who are you and she goes i'm carol danvers and like
1: you've got to sit right here until our daughter gets home like that's what i want to be their reaction and just like sit on that couch any last words last thoughts just keep doing what you're doing marvel just
0: keep surprising us in all these happy pleasant ways keep taking chances yeah. and yeah, and i'm
2: so happy a that you got this because you know i just i want one day like you said earlier i want this, i want it to be normal.
0: I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the future. And um, well, this is 18 episodes, yes. 18 episodes baby. And I got to say, today is August 6th when we're recording this and the new She-Hulk. I think it was a new post and the new, I don't know, it was, was it a new trailer or new video that came out just this morning and we got a glimpse of Matt in his uh, Daredevil suit, the yellow one.
1: Man has yellow helmet.
0: Yeah. And it looks good. I can't believe it because I don't like the yellow suit from
2: the comics. And I'm very excited for this.
1: I'm excited too. I want to know the story. I just want
2: to know the story behind it. Maybe we'll get it.
1: I want to know if he knows it's yellow. Well, this was fun. It was. And Aisha, I'm, I do. I want to thank you for just like walking us through and being there for us throughout all of this Marvel because... I feel like it was one, just like absorbing your enthusiasm, like leading up to it and everything. Yes. And then absolutely. you coming in after every episode and being like, oh, you know, like, oh my gosh, crotchy. And then like, oh my gosh, it was this artist. And oh my gosh, like this person, like sharing all of that enthusiasm around the way, you know, along the way helped me sort of understand even when I was watching and everything. And
0: Hope I didn't drive you crazy with no. my no. excitement no. because I was excited. After every episode. And I'm still there. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm just so happy. So thank you for letting me indulge and uh, talking about it
1: in such depth. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you being here for our super long podcast. Obviously, you can tell this is a subject that we absolutely loved. So let us know what you think. Reach out to us on all of our social media channels. We are saved, daredevil on Twitter and TikTok and Save Daredevil everywhere else. Look forward to talking to you again later. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Talk Daredevil. For more information about Saved Daredevil, including links to our socials, please visit us at savedaredevil.com. Remember, Murdoch's always get back up.